welcome to episode two, season one of the Ashley Interview with Asia Lyon and Kevin Adams. How are y'all doing? So before we get started for this episode, remember to follow us at Two Dope Teachers on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash two dope teachers and a mic. Our email address is two dope teachers at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Apple and Spotify podcasts or at mrmunoz.org. If you do listen to us on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It really does help others find us and get our content, which is fire, as you know. Finally, if you want to support our, us financially, podcasting isn't free, head over to patreon.com slash two dope teachers, where you can become a patron for just $5 a month. $5, you can do that. The next five $15 patrons will receive a copy of Cornelius Miner's incredible book, We Got That. No, we got this. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. So we're going to welcome our guest, um, Annalise Harris, who's here to share her exit interview story. Kevin? So exciting. We're so glad to have Annalise here today. Uh, so Annalise, uh, go ahead and start us off by just telling us, how did you get into teaching? Uh, and, and, and just give us, as we say, your origin story as a teacher. <laughs> Definitely grateful to be here and offer my side of the story or experience. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> disclaimer, technically I'm still teaching, but definitely not in the public school setting uh, for um, uh, primary and secondary. So I just want to put that out there, but um, I did exit. <laughs> <laughs> So um, my origin story, you know, a long time ago, my mom and dad, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you take all the way back. All the all way back. Way back. I started <laughs> right. And no, <laughs> I um, had no clue what I was going to do after college. I knew all the way up through college, I was like into advocacy. I was, um, you know, a president of NAACP at the campus, big, big energy out. I was, I went to Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. And, you know, at the time they weren't really pushing careers. It was a lot of like major. So I knew sociology majors from seventh grade once I was doing like Greek and Latin roots, I knew what it meant. And I was like, yeah, I love learning about people or, you know, understanding systems and how people are connected. Again, I had no real idea. What do you freaking do with a sociology degree? Right, <laughs> except teach sociology. Yes, <laughs> except, but even then, didn't even know how I would become a, a teacher, you know, like, or um, teach it, or what is really a sociologist? Like, how did they even get that title? So um, I had no clue, but I had to do a lot of reflection because when I came out of, college, I went home to Illinois and that's where I'm from, Waukegan, Walktown. Uh -huh. <laughs> Gotta represent. Represent, uh, of course. <laughs> Illinois and um, went back home and had, again, still no clue I was gonna do the recession. I graduated 2010, recession was in full effect and they wanted, as they still do now, but uh, they wanted, you know, 24 years of experience for entry level. <laughs> <laughs> eight dollars an hour and um 
you know, cash as a cash register. So it's just, you know, not for me. I really knew I didn't want to do food services because no, people are rude. And then I hate folding clothes. So I knew I was not going to work in a store <laughs> or a boutique. <laughs> um, I, you know, really had to search and figure it out. It was really actually challenging. And I'll get to the actual origin. I had to reflect on things that I liked, what kind of lifestyle I wanted to have. And, um, you know, what had I been doing that, you know, got me money. So yeah. I, an actress, you know, did plays, commercials, print, all that stuff as a young girl. And, um, you know, that plays a role in teaching, to be honest. So I was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bad in that. But um, I also had been a camp counselor for every year, pretty much in, it, you know, four, since 14, all the way through college, I would still give my time as a, as a camp counselor in some capacity. And um, then I finally thought about it. I was like, I can be a substitute teacher, <laughs> you know, um, but I wasn't really, because of my lack of knowledge on how you become anything in a career, <laughs> yep. like, I'm like, and I was a very gifted student. I just didn't know. I'm like, what becomes, how do you become something? Actually, my older sister, um, ironically, went to college, Vanderbilt in Tennessee uh, to become a teacher. And I still have been a teacher longer than she has. She hasn't even become a teacher, which is so funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is cool for it and economics. So she realized what made more money. And yes, yes. I was like, ooh, I should have followed that one. But um, for sure. <laughs> um, I will say just to get to how I even got to Colorado to become an educator after probably 10 sub substitute teaching assignments, I was like, that's all they do. They got a plan and then you repeat it all day and you get to have different kids. Oh man, this is dope. Okay. You just got to make a plan. They out of your face in 45 minutes (laughs) and you still have fun at basketball games. I remember all that fun stuff, you know? Um, I was like, I can do this, but I still was kind of hesitant. So uh, what I researched was opportunities with AmeriCorps and actually city year came up. And at the time, City Year had begun to transition into uh, really focusing more on the education, the impact on education, rather than the service, uh, because previously they were doing a lot of cleaning and all the stuff that schools needed, but they were not necessarily in the classrooms as often doing hands-on things. And I mentioned that because I signed up to be a founding core member in Colorado for Denver and made the trek. I said, peace out fam, love you. And Illinois taxes, no jobs. I was done with it. It's cold. I don't need this. <laughs> Were your, was your family shocked about you coming out here to Colorado? Did they have any, like, was it positive or mix of both or what? Um, let me think. They knew I was not happy in Illinois and were very supportive of me because they also knew I was going to do what I was going to do. It's <laughs> like, as long as it wasn't detrimental, <laughs> they support me. And um, actually my mom had said, oh, you know what? I always think of horses and things in Colorado, you know, mountains and sn- 
uh, ski, skiing and snowboarding, things like that. And I was like, yeah, I just wanted to peace out. <laughs> like, I'm just going more west because um, Omaha was eight hours drive and uh, Colorado is just another eight hours. So I was like, yeah, we can do this a two day trip, you know? Yep. And uh, my older sister did help me drive. I just packed up what I could in the car and was on my way. One of the convincing uh, elements of city year was one, they gave you a cell phone so I could take that bill out. They only paid you a thousand dollars a month and wow, uh, you didn't have housing. And, you know, this is Denver. Yeah, no, you have to find your own housing. And um, I got a, I met someone through City Years, like Portal, where you find people who are also going to the same location. And they actually, at the time, didn't even have schools confirmed. And you didn't know your assignment. And Denver's big. So people got placed in Montbello and had been living in Cap Hill. <clears throat> so they had, no, you know, yep. <laughs> with four people in a two bedroom. I was like, I'm too grown for that one. But I, <laughs> I was blessed, but uh, I ended up in Wheat Ridge for the first few months of my time in Denver and city year. And I was luckily grateful I had a car, but I ended up moving to um, more downtown Denver, um, Bannock, 4th and Bannock area, which is Baker uh, District. Yep. So, City year helped me a lot because I got an opportunity to confirm whether I want to be an educator or go into military. And because they had, it's like a combination of, you know, military and it was service, all that. Hmm. And okay. I hate rules, got in trouble for wearing a black and white hat because the rule was black or white. And I was just like, this is dumb. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yep. <laughs> and they made me do push-ups in the snow. I, I was just like, this is disrespectful and um, wrote me up for the hat. And I was like, yeah, military is not me because if things don't make sense, I'm not going to be quiet. And that's pretty much yep. not military. <laughs> like you just shut up and get, you know, serve your country. So I was like, let me serve it in a different way in the future. And Lacey, which is life after city year, was my opportunity to either go into more schooling or pursue education, which I did. Uh, I got accepted into a teaching program, <laughs> ironically named DTF. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Denver teacher fellows, what are you thinking? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we didn't realize that until you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and then there I thought I had applied to the Denver teacher residency though, because I really actually liked the idea of having an opportunity to th that education should be taken more seriously and people should not just be jumping in. I was like, I shouldn't have been able to be a sub, like that was way too easy. <laughs> You know, I love kids, but that's how people get tarnished. That's, you know, kids' experiences are impacted by substitutes as well. Sure. So true. So true. Mm -hmm. It is. But they need folks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so with Lacey, I got into that program and it was also funded because of some grants. And um, I ended up at Metropolitan State University. and. Yes was offered an opportunity to also get my master's, not only the alternative licensure, but the master's. And just, I'll probably get to it. I mean, I'll say it now, I guess this is mine as well. People really bash alternative licensure um, educators. And I am here as an example to definitely challenge that. 
um, it's an opportunity for folks like me who did not major in education to, um, you know, really add our talents. It's so we should have people who are experts in their field come to be educators. Like you majored in math, be a teacher. Yep. Can you give for, for our audience members who don't really know much about teaching or alternative licensure, can you give us a background as to why people necess- um, like hate on the programming or the, that way into the classroom, that, that path? First of all, people hate on teachers in general. They, they, right. I'm just like, I watched a girl today try and give a presentation. I was like, oof, Lord, this is rough. And I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone has an opinion. It's hard. Um, but alternative licensure is basically an opportunity for someone who did not major in education at, in undergrad to um, go through training at, well, certification to be qualified to become an educator. And um, it, I can't, I honestly don't, it was a blur because it was meshed into my master's program. So I did a lot of work at the same time for both the certification. I had a temporary teaching license and that was earned after being brainwashed. Not really, I can't be brainwashed, but (laughs) forced, forced to achieve using the teach like a champion curriculum. Um, So most, I can't even say most educators because to be honest, a lot of educators are through alternative licensure now. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know the stats right now because that's, shoot, I, I, I came to Denver 10 years ago. And so I don't even know really where the stat is for folks who you know, like, I want to be a teacher. They were putting their teddy bears in line <laughs> since they were eight. I don't, I don't know the, the amount of that, but I do know it's decreased and the, the trajectory has declined as far as individuals signing up to be educators in college, like for their major. Mm-hmm. Um, but the alternative licensure, a lot of people bash it just because they feel like those folks aren't really committed or trained or, whatever, but I've met so many that are, that just are so committed. Um, They're not perfect. And yes, it was probably a short six months of training or sort of, you know, that process. And they were also probably leading a classroom of kids at the same time. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But so to me, that's where the critique should be. We should, it should be a little more challenging to get in the classroom in front of kids, you know, um, just because they're so uh, malleable and, and innocent, I <laughs> hesitated. Kids are innocent, right? <laughs> yep. They are what we, what we put in, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They're susceptible to our opinions, bias, and you know all the things that um, impact interpersonal relationships. People bring that to work in general, and they definitely bring it to the classroom. So if you're not trained to check your bias or uh, trained to really work with kids who didn't learn like you, you know, you're going to struggle too. And in fact, I just want to add this piece too. I was just thinking, and I realized um, a lot of people who become teachers or wanted to be teachers liked school. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they thrived at the, unfortunately, a lot of them thrived at the lecture. So they mm-hmm. were like, oh, I like to hear people. So they're auditory learners and write yeah. stuff down. And a lot of kids, especially Black kids, are not necessarily just auditory uh, learners. Yeah. There are a lot of kinesthetic learners, which is, you know, through movement and experiential is in, combined with is really what we are saying. Like kids, people learn by doing a lot of yeah. times. 
yeah. it's good to have directions and it's good to have someone guide you with their voice. But overall, you know, you learn by going through it, just like lessons learned in life, right? You going through that. Somebody yeah. can tell you the same thing. Exactly. You're hard headed, right? A hard head. But anyway, <laughs> hard head makes the soft behind. behind. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm on here because all the black references are like, yes, I don't have to. Yeah, you don't got to explain yourself. You we good. We know. Like, oh <laughs> People know this. <laughs> they do now. That's right. That's <laughs> but right. yeah, so, you know, my first, so city year after that, I got into um, the teaching program and then became a special education teacher. I... Uh, was not good at math enough to teach it. And then language arts was not one of the areas where one, where I'm gifted and, and was qualified. Language arts was not one of the uh, gaps in education. Everybody, you know, a lot of people go into education as English teachers, you know, people who like to read and write. Like I said, those are auditory learners and people who learn from, you know, lecture and stuff or independent reading. So special education was the space that I could um, become an educator for mm-hmm. through this uh, Denver Teaching Fellowship, or yeah, and um, I actually thought about it. I was like, I actually, I was on the deficit side of learning. I was on the gifted side, and to me, special education services are actually inclusive of gifted and talented too. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I was like, well, why wouldn't I want to stand in that space for the experience I? was able to have as a young kid learning and offer that, you know, for kids who didn't learn the same way as everybody else. So I really incorporated that into my teaching philosophy. And um, because that was one of the things you have to develop is like, reflect on how you were and what you want to bring to the classroom. And I was like, well, for one, I'm black. So that's enough. You know, I got black cultural relevancy. Hey, yep, yep. That's right. (laughs) For real. Don't let the green eyes fool you. (laughs) <laughs> put some shades on you don't know quick but um <laughs> I definitely um you know just learn to appreciate what I brought like I know what I bring is um I see kids and and so I minus and I am an advocate in social justice and education ended up being so connected so um I was like yeah why not be able to teach kids what you want I was yep. like this is how you expand a legacy, you get people to join, you teach, it's the youth, you know, we're going to be gone. And you know, how do you have a legacy if you don't have kids yet? You know, somebody else's kids. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> so, um, my first year and um, was tough. My first year of teaching was really, really tough. Um, I had between 24 to I think at one point I ended up with 29 kids on my special education mm-hmm. caseload. But I was also teaching almost every class period. And I had, I think it was first semester, I had two of my own classes, but um, otherwise I was co-teaching almost every other, with every other um, teacher. That was math, science, social studies, um, English, and, and I ended up with a student uh, who had cerebral palsy. And so he has a wheelchair. <laughs> he had to automate, you know, the um, motorized vehicle, <laughs> felt like. Um, so I also supported a para. Um, I'm like 
22. <laughs> that's a lot. That is. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. <laughs> There's, you know, that year was tough because it was in Montbello, which is, you know, historically impacted um, and viewed negatively, unfortunately, um, because of this, the test scores and dropout rates really were high at the time. And um, that was my first year teaching. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, it was rough. Um, I skipped over city year the first year of that, but I was an interventionist basically there. And that's how I got to know like, oh, how do you work with kids of different abilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my first year teaching was like, whoa, this is what they do. And I was like, this is too many meetings. And say that again, <laughs> say that again. Yeah, it's meeting. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear yeah. what you say. I said, it feels like it's teaching is after meetings. Like we have more meetings than we do actually sit in front of the, or work with our students to me. Yep. Yes. Or you're, t- you're meeting to complain about a student. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be in their class right now. What, what are you doing? I was also at a startup um, a school. So while it was starting up in one um, corridor of the Montbello campus, there were two other schools starting up and Montbello High School, uh, traditional school was closing. So I, I end up meeting the seniors and um, who were graduating the last class there. And then I also met um, a lot of educators who were scrambling to find a job as well later. Um, and that comes up later in my career. I end up end up teaching with some of the same people in different schools. We bounced. I know I did. I was yep. like, well, I got to go. We lost a principal the same year. I was like, this is crazy. I cried at work. I was like, I can't cry. I'm, like, what? I'm not used to crying at work. I'm Aquarius too. So we kind of yep. detached feelings is what I hear. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just really was embarrassed, but I cried be- because a white male teacher who was only in his second year, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> he had dubbed himself king of the school with this other white female teacher, queen of the school. Mind you, the principal black, law staff was black. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I was like, what are, what? Um, and I, I don't say other teachers were black. It was like staff, you know. Yes, yes, yes. All, all that um my para however I was upset um and end up crying because I came into the um teacher's lounge and they didn't know I was in there because there was like a long corridor to get to the seating and I literally heard him say to the whoever was in there I I end up confronting them later but heard him talking to this group and say yeah did you get that email from Harris uh, to attend so-and-so's IEP meeting and ha 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 I pressed decline and they all laughed and said it and and legally oh and, well, wow yeah individualized education program and legally I have to have a teacher of record who is a gen ed teacher I can't just have a meeting with the special education teacher the parent and the kid it has to be inclusive because it gives a 
it's a report. I'm sharing what the student's progress is. And it's good also for the student to be able to hear from a teacher and see that commitment that they see the student and understand their needs and help come up with a plan for the next year for goals and, and achievement. So walking in and hearing that was really hurtful. And um, I ended up crying and I didn't know who to go to. I walked in and said, you know, I don't think it's very funny and I actually need someone and he deserves some, an educator who believes in him at this meeting. So I'm probably lying about what I said, but I know I talked to them. Yep. <laughs> yep. It was something of that sort because sure. then I rushed out, talked to the principal who fortunately um, had a background in SPED herself and black and, um, she ended up addressing it for me. I, mm. If I did not have that, I can guarantee, I, I probably would have walked out of teaching. I was like, this is a joke. And then I cried mm-hmm. uh, with an, uh, my mentor. Uh, she was in the same building, fortunately, but it was it was really sad. I, and I just forgot those feelings just came back up. I, I, you know, it, it sucked. And then it made me more determined to challenge these teachers who felt as though they were the gift to the school. And I was the educator, you know? Yeah. 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 So uh, let's take a real quick break, Asia, and then we will get back with Annalise Harris and we will hear uh, moving towards what was the breaking point. So we'll be back with more of the exit interview after this. We are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years, your engagement on social media, your downloads, and your enthusiasm have kept us going since we started this Too Dope adventure nearly five years ago. Right, Kev? Yes. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired. And with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you will learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you stepped up. Yeah, we're so happy. Of course, we still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. You can support these projects by visiting patreon.com slash 2DopeTeachers. Patrons who join at the 2Dope level get a 2Dope Nation sticker. And what's better than stickers? Um, it's designed by local uh, artist Sham. And for a limited time, limited time, the next five 2Dope patrons will get a copy of Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This. What? What a deal. Hey, that is. And it's signed. That's right. And it's signed. Patrons will enjoy special access to us in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwback old episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances. Our upcoming podcast series, The Exit Interview, featuring the brilliant Asia Lyons, which highlights the stories of Black teachers who were forced out of teaching, is only possible because of our patrons. And I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so dope. So we asked and you responded. We look forward to growing and learning with you. Let's remix this conversation on race, power, and education.
Welcome back to the exit interview. I'm Kevin Adams. I'm Asia Lyons. And we are here with Annalise Harris. And uh, she is telling her story, her exit interview. So Annalise, here we are. You know, you've mentioned these 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 white male teachers who they usually are, I find, right? Even though there's a lot of white female teachers, there's some other ways that they carry themselves, but these white male teachers and those challenges, and you talked about the importance of having, you know, a black mentor, someone who could support you and helping to keep you in it. So, uh, you know, you're this passionate person who's who's coming into teaching, you know, uh, you're, you're culturally relevant, you, you bring something, you're, you're, you're social justice uh, focused, oriented. What happens to get you to that breaking point? So what happens to make you say, you know what, this isn't for me? Yes. Um, well, we'll actually delve into the white female teacher. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Like, to be honest, the men, you know, they're a little bit for me willing to hear you out even in a different way. Um, But they still have this air of all knowingness. So uh, (laughs) um, when I I was in, was it my sixth year teaching? Yes. Sixth year teaching. I bounced around just different schools that had been in charter, innovative status, innovation status schools, um, and was like, uh, it was my last year to qualify for that loan, that 17.5. I was like, yep. title one, spend, <laughs> 40K in debt. That's gonna write that down, you know? So oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Right? And we don't do it for the money, but you know what? I actually have done the calculations and go ahead, put that in my check because- yep. Mm -hmm. that is where it should go (laughs) so um yeah that's an anecdote but I um had was approaching that fifth year and well at this at this particular school that I end up leaving from and I was committed I was like I want to stay at a school for more than a year because I'd been at a school one year went to another one uh, for only another year was at a charter school for two years and, mm-hmm. and didn't make it. It was like a year and a half ish, like year and 0.75. <laughs> and it was a, it was time for me to leave that school. Um, so, but from that, the school that I was at, I had a lot of baggage. I had developed sternocostal chondritis, which is inflammation mm. of the chest. And um, it flares up even, you know, when I get really stressed out um, and my, chest like pops. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you crack your back, I can crack my, the, the rib ribs and, um, and my chest and stuff. Um, or the bone, whatever that like, I didn't, I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> and you said that came from teaching that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's stress induced and, um, the, the stressor was my job. It was, um, a hundred percent LRE, least restrictive environment yep. for about six students. Cause as a special education teacher, you know, that's your job to provide services. And these young girls were at a, a they were all black and brown uh, girls. Um, yeah. It, I, I'm shocked. I didn't leave education at this school, 
but I want to give another try. But at long story short, they all had so extreme social emotional disabilities. Desks were thrown at me, chairs, scissors, chasing around the school, calling the police, trying to de-escalate, working with the staff to really see the students as young adults and mm -hmm. not just little pepper in your in your um, salt. Yep. <laughs> and it was very very tumultuous. And I had to come up with a huge like revamp of the services we were going to provide for these girls. And they all towered over me. I'm five feet. They were, you know, just towering over me. And I had to maintain a certain demeanor because they're kids and, you know, they deserve an education, especially when the only reason they stuck out is because the school was in a former elementary school. So everything was just tiny. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they had some problems too. Um, in fact, it led me to create Curls in the Block, uh, which is my own work to address the gaps that I've seen and encourage our young black girls to um, engage in STEAM. So I had created that curriculum and I was like, man, I'm out. Okay, new school. Okay. So I spent a year at this school, loved it and became qualified to teach concurrent enrollment. And um, that's where students are um, able to earn college credit for yeah. your class, taking your class. And I was like, what? I'm like special ed and a college professor, I was adjunct, you know, in teacher world. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that's dope. That it's also a little overrated because <laughs> don't get paid. Everything that pay sounds it. good in, in teacher world is always like that. It's like, wait, now I'm just doing more. Y'all, y'all took advantage the same of me, price. my excitement. Exactly. <laughs> Literally words out of my mouth. Yes. You, you just made me do more and devalued, you know, the whole profession a little bit. Um, <laughs> not paying me more. But, you know, I was like, you know, this is an opportunity to really thrive. And at the time, I thought I was going to hit my fifth year to be eligible for those that loan forgiveness opportunity, which are all factors in why I became an educator. And, you know, I like summers, even though some people think you have three and a half months off, you don't, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I did like my summers and that, you know, that played into why I wanted to stay with it. I was like, yeah, you know what, work really hard and they stretch your check <laughs> so you don't even get paid everything in your nine month contract, but okay, you know, let's bust these myths. Um, getting to the year, I was so excited. I end up working with educators who had been at other schools that I had bounced out from because they too saw issues with the same schools just a little later. So like three years later, we're, we're at the same startup school. And so they had potential quality, whatever. Man, the second year at this school. So I made a whole year. I'm like a favorite. I'm mm -hmm. like the only black teacher. I was like, okay. Um, and pr previously, uh, I came into the school its second year. And so previously, there was an, a white female educator who um, was married and um, all the girls, all the black girls loved her. Um, her husband's black and he came to the school often. I, to some, he was handsome. But hey, to me, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I'm mentioning this for a reason because it le leads to conflict later where um, 
you know, you finally have a, uh, an actual black person at your yep. school. Yep. The black students who thought, who really, you know, went to you former, formerly, uh, previously, yep. now go to the person who they're like, oh man, this person is part of the real culture, not just um, yep. Yep. directly or, you know, favoring it. Yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> she, I don't think she liked me. A couple of reasons why. Um, she had a bestie who was also an educator there. And these two ladies definitely felt like they loved all kids and treated all blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They taught mostly mm-hmm. the um, kids on the AP track, though. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a special education teacher as well. So I had a caseload. And, um, you know, my first year there, like I said, was pretty positive overall um second year we had a new principal unfortunately it was a shocker for sure we this person founded the school i had worked with him previously at a different school where he's an ap thought he was committed and he peaced out and went to grand junction and we're like what but wow yeah and that all plays roles because when people shift in leadership, someone has to pull up into that space. And these white female educators definitely felt as though they were it. And we should listen to them. And, you know, um, my first year experience with them, though, there was one experience that stood out for me when it came to the student voice, student leadership group that one of the uh, teachers was leading or facilitating. That's how she put it they were requiring in this school that had fewer than 150 students and a survey be taken. And it included um, age, it included uh, race and um, year in at the school. So mm-hmm. freshmen. So. Yeah. And um, it also asked a lot of personal questions about their experience at the school. I was like, oh my gosh. And it meant that if you looked at this data and uh, is the term disaggregated it? I, I, I think so. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You pull it apart. You look at um, you, a Google survey. You could see who's a ninth grader boy, black. Yep, yep, yep. We yeah. One. Oh, wow. And I, but actually, to my surprise, we actually had one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, it brought out, it brought that out though. And so yep. I had, you know, I, I said, I, don't, uh, first of all, IRB. I'm a sociologist. Remember? remember yep, yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, where's your? This is not following any sociological protections for minoritized and vulnerable populations, yes. which include in this school of fewer than 150 students, mm-hmm. uh, black students, and um, students on in special education, all of that. So some of the questions were like, "Have you experienced racism? Have you did this?" And the so the core. Oh wow. Look, so look. to say you have you experienced racism in a school that has a handful of black children? Wow, you, you know what the answer is. <laughs> wow, okay, yeah, and who said it? Huh? I what said, and who said it? Like, not just what they said, but who yep. said what, too? Yeah, exactly, exactly. No protections, none. And and so, I talked to the I emailed, I was like, hey, this survey link doesn't even tell you what this is for, who's giving it. Like on Google, you can do that. We all use Google survey. It was literally from there. And I was like, you need to have a description of what this is. 
um, it's not on the survey. You sent me an email, but as an educator, I need, if students are taking this, they, they deserve to read what it is and I read along with them or whatever. So I asked them to delay requiring all students take this survey until we edit some of the questions and really take a look at what, why are you doing this? Um, it was part of a district-wide effort is for a student um, board of education. So it, it was related to a challenge they had. Yeah, yeah. However, um, I expect more from a facilitator and that came out. Of course, she brings to a meeting that ended up being set up, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> she brought two black girls. <sighs> The about it was like two of ten, okay, but the only two, <laughs> but they were rock star students. Love these girls for sure. Even now they're in college, rocking it. One yeah. is gonna become an educator herself. But um, man, I pretty much had to because I knew <laughs> I had to tell them, hey, my background is in sociology, and here's why this survey brings up concerns. So instead of talking to an adult. I was forced to talk to kids where I wasn't even mentally prepared for that because they're not the problem. Maybe yep. yes, they came up with this, but as a facilitator, as I explained nicely, it's on you to um, protect and look out for. You can't just say I'm a facilitator and let things just go. So Kate, long story short, they adapted it, changed it a little bit, but I was able to also find out that we had other black students <laughs> and um it was a good experience well yes 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 for the audience something hilarious is happening but you guys can just wonder what it is but we all know yes it's the beauty um, of a podcast <laughs> so um <laughs> people's podcasts yes i um take that experience for first year yep. and you know you bring it to the next year unfortunately we went into a new school building hottest building in the city of denver oh gosh oldest building in the city of denver and it is just uh ugh, it was horrible going from the one of the newest buildings yes build, yes because it was co-located man and then we did another co-location but it made sense it was a middle school then a high school and they're trying to create a feeder opportunity for uh the innovation school to because there's no real feeder for schools like that yeah that i was at man i second year was horrible it really just was it was a nasty old building hot and new principal, which was the former AP, who really no one really liked in leadership. She was a great person to support you as an educator, but not lead the school and be the voice. I forgot to mention, I was also a recruiter for the school. So again, <laughs> I'm doing all this stuff. And I mentioned that because I found out because of that FTE uh, qualification, I actually did not qualify for my student loans to be forgiven because they put me 0.5 sped, 0.5. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh so no. In tears. And I had to decide if I was going to continue. And I was just like, I don't know what else I would do right now. You get all this experience in teaching and yep. where do you go? Um, 
Well, my second year, we get to October and I was tired of walking past the same teachers, uh, the one who, um, you know, the, the facilitator of the student group who (laughs) didn't bother having an adult conversation with me um, and was jealous of the students, basically a, a relationship with me that was really, you know, positive. I would have to walk past that teacher and her bestie every single day. And I never was greeted. I was never greeted. They never said hi. Um, And even in the old building the year before, I ended up downstairs in the basement. Like all of those factors make you feel a certain way about you as a person. And of course, yeah. You know, your value to this school. yeah, it was, it was hard. That, 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 you know, I'm glad I left to be honest, because <laughs> all of these things are, and then this last piece, I um, was really, really tired of walking past these ladies, um, walking the school, Philando Castile had been shot and killed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. live streamed the year uh, first, my first year at this school. Yes. I had tried to do, um, I, I didn't know if I wanted to go to this building. I was devastated. I really couldn't function, crying with strangers. And I, I decided to have um, a, a silent protest. Um, I got, I got, HR was called because, <laughs> so basically HR was called because they, you know, I had sent everybody on the staff an email saying how impacted I was. Yeah. Um, and I was struggling and I'm going to show up for the students to be physically there if they need support, yep. but I will print off the assignments, you know, a little card. I have a para in my room, another teacher in my room. I felt like we were okay. We had one-to-one computers, all of the things that could help students be successful and school had, you know, I, I thought I was okay. So that was, again, that was something else the first year. So all of these things are compacted now for the... <laughs> And, and by the second year, I was just tired. I was really tired of not feeling appreciated and being pit against other black people. The HR rep was a black woman. I was just like, y'all really, you, you just on my nerves. This is crazy. You don't appreciate me. Um, so walking past an educator every single day who doesn't speak to you. Mm-hmm. Man, that's like high school. Like we're, I was like, I thought we were the teachers. I didn't know we were the students and mean girls happening. For sure, for sure. <laughs> they would not invite me to meetings they were having with students that were on my caseload. Um, they were mad because my recruitment year brought in phenomenal numbers. Um, they had commitments from students in, in the first round of choice, which is something offered in Denver public school system. Um, I had the, the, my stats were good. And, and then we were a blue school. We had all this amazing stuff and, and we were bringing in kids. We had enough to bring in more teachers because our numbers were high mm-hmm. and they had to attribute it to me because I was the recruiter. Um, second year still, I'm talking about this, that new a, the AP that became the principal was so jealous of me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. She wanted to get credit for recruitment stuff. She, she just, 
she had looked at stuff on my Facebook when I said, you know, uh, white supremacy is embedded into curriculum and yep. I'm tired of it. She reported that to HR. Like it was a big deal. My, I was like, I don't, I don't like you as a principal at all. Um, no, and now really. Can you talk more about that? Like, can you, how did, yeah. how did that all transpire with the, she's on your Facebook page and now we're having a meeting about it. How did that go down? Like I was, what is it called? A canine? Q9. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they act like I'm like, was, wait a minute. Well, I'm, the capital. I'm sorry. I'm just criticizing white supremacy. Seriously. Right. And it was an article that was researched. So what I had made a post and it was after I got evaluated. I hate evaluations because it's so nerve wracking. I don't feel like anybody really understands me as a special education teacher, um, small school. So there's only two of us yep. or a three total. And um, anyway, the evaluation led to me going to Facebook and say, you know, here's an article about white supremacy embedded into the um, education system. And per my experience in education, I have, ex I feel left out, isolated, alone, devalued, all of those things. So combine that with this. And that was my post. <clears throat> the AP at the time was like, brought in, you know, reported it basically. And was like, you know, you really um, can't post things like that on Facebook. And I was like, oh, why did I add her on Facebook? That was dumb. <laughs> but you know what, what, what's so, what's so messed up in this is um, that it wasn't a like, we're, you know, like, let's talk more about this because you have something here or we read the article and it makes sense or we're supporting what you're saying. It, it is, you can't, we're silencing you. So we're doubling down on that white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Both yeah. with the Lando Castile HR being pulled in and as well as this article that I didn't make it, I didn't write this and I wish I had, yep. but you know, what she, what was most hurtful was that she claimed, well, your statement is fine and that article is fine. I actually agree with it. And it's just that both of them together makes me feel as though you were talking and targeting me because I she was my evaluator hey she she felt she felt um to quote to quote the vernacular of, of the youth she felt some type of way about mm -hmm. it like you were talking to her direct but you're like i'm sorry if you this is what we mean by institutionalized systematic racism mm -hmm. right and i think this is like again something that creeps up with these uh, a lot of white female teachers it's like when i'm critiquing the system that you're part of and that you have are overrepresented in, you kind of have to take that. Yep. You yep. you have to take that, right? And I'm sorry if it offended you. And it's and it it also surprises me because like knowing where the district is today in some of their um, claims about you know a desire to challenge historical uh, patterns of oppression, which is what you were doing. And you're having to talk to a, I can't believe it. I, well, actually, I can't believe it. I can completely believe it, but, but go on, go on. You know, yeah. I want to just, I want to say something about that HR piece and the HR person being a black woman. And so that power piece, right? <laughs> of if the HR person <laughs> says that the white woman is in the right, then that just means all the things, right? Yes, because another yes. black, a, a other black person said that, that this made sense and that you were in the wrong. So I can't be wrong which kind of goes into that power piece, like black people and 
and power spaces, they can really damage, do a lot of damage to Black educators. And we've heard the story before on the podcast about Black principals and people in different positions of power who really make it impossible to be believed as a Black educator. Because if they say, if they go with the what the white person says, then this is what it is. And that's it. Yep. They end up upholding the system as well. Um, but can I add the AP was Mexican and white woman. So like, I'm pretty, she, her, her phenotype is very much similar to other folks who identify as Mexican. So, you know, she presents though as Mexican and, yes. you know, so it was interesting to have to have those white supremacist conversations <laughs> with someone who would also have been minoritized as well in other spaces, you know, based on just how she looks. So yes. it was very hurtful. Um, and I had worked with her in the past at other schools. Like, again, this trend, I'm thinking y'all cool. I'm thinking you're with it. You get into leadership, you're upholding the same problems. Um, and I'm not shady. I tell people, uh, <laughs> like, I didn't, I would tell you, I don't, yes, I did think the evaluation was uh, uh, problematic. And I told you during that time, and I appreciated help that you offered then. But I also read this article and feel the same. <laughs> 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 Both can be true, you know. <laughs> um, right. And what, what was the final straw, though? Um, the white teacher who was the facilitator and who regard never spoke to me amongst other issues I had at that school some kids were trying to prank me some other I I end up on admin leave was able to come back but but it, it the final straw really was um finding out that that same white uh, educator had 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 reported a an inappropriate relationship with a para and a student in the past mm -hmm. when she was the go-to teacher yes um and knew that i had a relationship with this student as far as like she would talk to me and trust me and all that and she that teacher never came to me and asked me brought me in reeled me in clued me in to anything knowing that the person she had suspicions about and the student both came to my room all the time um and was my para like yeah. <laughs> was actually you know was assigned to my room um if she had any if she had any like good bones in her body she should like I think it's pretty typical of black women talk. We're like, yo, you know, so-and-so did this last year, girl. Can you keep an eye out or whatever? It would have just been on GP. We're like, yo, look, what's up? Have you noticed anything this happened last year? Um, <laughs> turns out the suspicions were actually valid. And the educator, um, the paraprofessional, uh, he was having an inappropriate sexual relationship with this young girl and um had been and um i just really <laughs> i was just hurt um i was like i'm 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 done with this mm -hmm. Th this school is crazy you don't you you put me on admin when you have real predators mm -hmm. and um not related either but um 
you're not even paying attention to your kids. And you have so, some white teachers who are so hell bent on being the preferred teacher rather than building, protecting our young black girls. We, this young girl was still victimized for, for another year. And even if it was something she felt like she wanted to do as a student, you know, there's a power dynamic. There's in a, it's not an appropriate relationship. And there was almost a 10 year age gap. And um, I was sickened because it, 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 and it hurt. And it reminded me of those social emotional, uh, the ED students I worked with who had been violated sexually. It just reminded me of every issue that I'd come into contact with as a special education teacher, finally a teacher, a black teacher in Colorado, in Denver. Yep. Um, I was like, we could have protected her because it got like her story, man ended up in an officer killed. Like it ends, I know mm. I'm not gonna go into it, yeah. but um, it was a, I was like, she, she was almost in jail and we could have worked as a team if you weren't so freaking jealous, <laughs> you know, and I, this is what I would tell her. And, you know, um, you, you just had issues with me that prevented you from seeing me as an ally with your own concern that you witnessed. I saw them interact with each other, but I didn't hear anything. They, because, mm -hmm. you know, they both knew I was about that life and not gonna not address something that is a concern of mine. So they really were on their P's and Q's if I was around, but obviously they were doing stuff off of campus. And I, I mean, I ended up finding so much out and I was just hurt because we, really should have been able to work together as colleagues to protect black girls. And this is an example of the hypersexualization of young black girls and you blame them or you see them as fast and or beyond really um, protection, you know, like, oh, well, they're making their own decisions. I don't know why she didn't reach out to me, but I feel as though she should have. That teacher, that white female teacher should have reached out to me. And um, she ended up getting mad because when I left, I told every single parent why I was leaving. <laughs> I sent a nice email because I had rapport with so many students as a freaking recruiter. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I'm, I'm in all these roles. You can't get rid of me. Like <laughs> you think you're, you know? And so for that school, I made sure all of those teachers knew, or, and excuse me, parents knew. And when I left and found out that they were trying to do something with the school, I showed up at all the meetings. I was like, oh yeah, now I'm a, now I'm a, an active community member. Yep, so you yep. should have kept me on. You should have yeah. been nicer. Cause now I'm about yeah. to highlight all the issues I know about existing in your school. I wonder what you're going to do to address them. And I have real concerns. So I turned into that and I told parents, I highly did, I do not think you should have your students stay at this school unless they're succeeding. Um, because what happened was the teachers weren't prepared for the amount of need. You get a cool teacher like me recruiting, you're going to yep. get all kinds of abilities because that's what I'm saying we can attract and, and work with. I'm saying our model is great. You know, your kid will thrive. We It's experiential. It's this, it's that. Man, they got in there, had some new, other, more new teachers. And these teachers, you know, weren't ready. They thought they, they couldn't ready. handle it. They were used to a blue school and whatever they thought that meant. Mm -hmm. um, they were used to a lot of kind of awkward white male students because yep. it was engineering heavy. They could handle that weirdness. 
but they couldn't handle authentic students showing up needing to learn and, and needing them to adapt their teaching style to um, really teach in a different way, not just on the computers, but incorporate technology in a way that helped them survive, help students thrive. So when I, I decided, you know, I, I'm done with this school and my exit interview, I don't even think I had, oh yeah, yeah, I did. It was like very awkward. It was with the principal who, you know, didn't like me. Um, and another person was there, um, but I had written a letter and, and, and post said it on Tesla. And I said, well, we can refer to this concern I have here. <laughs> this is, I listed all of my like top 20 things. And it was most of the stuff I've talked to you all about, but a number of other things were brought up. And then I decided I'm going to tell the district <laughs> so I went to multiple awesome. board meetings. I was shaking. I was so scared. I, I, I was scared. I was crying. I, it was hard to share that story in three minutes. Y'all gave me an hour. <laughs> I had three minutes to tell them y'all got some racist, bogus, white supremacist policy having <laughs> problems in three minutes. And that's why I'm leaving this district that has less than 4% black educators. That's right. 14% black students. Mm. Mm. So, Annalise, <laughs> this story is just so powerful, and 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 the unfortunate part is it, it's 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 what we've heard, you know. This is just episode two, but like we've heard these stories and talking with other Black educators who've who've left or contemplating leaving or just you know going through it on a day to day basis. But how did your family and friends? Uh, support you as you were going through this process and what impact did it have on those relationships that you have with those folks, your family, your friends? My family knew I was teaching. They knew it was a struggle along the way. Um, they knew I was hell bent to keep doing it and that I was, you know, feeling successful, had very high highs and very low lows and stuff. Um, <laughs> part of when I was on admin leave, none of the teachers could talk to me they felt. So um, I had one, Josette Martinez, I'll shout her out because she definitely was about the only way that I survived that last school. Um, saw the same things, understood, yo, represent your culture. I bring mine. This is what kids need. This is it. This is us. And she is a, she was like teacher of the year before. So I had an opportunity to be mentored by her just by proxy and just, she's an amazing woman. She's on my board for yeah. <laughs> girls on the block, just an amazing support. And it, 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 it transcended ethnicity and mm -hmm. it went to the core of our profession. We're here for kids. And she also wasn't a major, uh, an education major. So here you have women who have gone through alternative licensure, became the best, and bring innovation to wherever, whatever setting they they go to, whatever type of kids. She was at West before yep. she came to the school. And it was just a, a huge, huge opportunity for us to bond. And we took advantage of that sharing. We shared a classroom. So it was really, really um, vital for me to, to thrive by being around her. Mm -hmm. um, 
other folks, my mentor uh, turned friend. Well, they're all my friends now. Like if you're my friend, yeah, we probably yeah. met in education at first. Uh, that was my <laughs> first part of my career. And um, Brittany um, uh, Shattuck, well, Brittany Cardwell, and she's now a, a, an AP at a school and just, she's, you know, amazing support. I, I was very fortunate and blessed because otherwise I think I would have been gone um, year 0.25 mm -hmm. <laughs> first quarter. <laughs> yeah, those relationships are huge. They are really huge and keep people showing up every day because they know, at least in my experience, that someone's out there looking out and yeah. are, their door is already always open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us, like you're out of, you're done with K-12 teaching. What are you doing now? Tell us about what adventures you're up to these days. Well, remember how I said I was concurrent enrollment. So your girl ended up being, you know, observed by Community College of Denver because that was part of their protocol. And mm -hmm. um, they found out, oh, well, you're not, oh, we love what we saw. <laughs> That's always <laughs> how it is. Yeah. And so they brought me on to teach the um, acad advanced academic achievement. And now um, I've worked with AAA 109 and uh, first year experience uh, for the past two years, as well as, um, and you know, to be honest, adjuncting, you, you get maybe 2000 a semester per class, even with teaching 10 classes, I mean, excuse me, five classes, which is the max, which you really don't typically get even as an adjunct, you're broke. So I had, I had to get another job, um, but it's with uh, great education, Colorado and very grateful because they really embrace me. They let me be who I need to be and allow me to bring in my knowledge of education to benefit their organization, but also like try new things and push them, you know, to see even beyond what they know are the issues in the, in the education system. So I am able to be a representative in the educator, active educator, and I convinced them to let me still keep my teaching <laughs> on the side. I was awesome. like, it won't awesome. hurt it, I swear, you know? And, and so even before, and I, I actually got hired in March of 2020. So that was when I was supposed to be, I was teaching on campus and I told them what my hours were, they were willing to be flexible. I was like, this is lit. I'm this that's respect you know you see me as a you know a valuable piece to your puzzle and um you know it's been a really great almost year I'm at what eight months yeah I'm at eight months there now so it, it everything for a reason though because all of my trials tribulations heartache sadness you know um led to my experience and me being able to still connect with parents get them into these other conversations about finance and, you know, investing in education differently and their parents' rights and stuff. And if I hadn't had those really crazy experiences, some I described with you and others that shall go to the grave now, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I, uh, I will end on this, I suppose, is um, the program I created, Curls on the Block, definitely has thrived because I was able to create a curriculum that one I could relate to. It centers black girl voices and experiences 
but it doesn't exclude necessarily. So, you know, we all got hair or issues with it. <laughs> and the mission is to attract girls of all curls and colors to embrace, explore, and empower their natural selves using beauty to connect and engage in STEAM. And so um, I was able to do programming. I've got an app. You can download the app. Um, and it tells you, it has a curly directory where you could find folks who do curly hair and, and salons, stylists. Um, oh, wow. That's great. And I'm working on uh, updating it to really corner the market where there's some gaps. I'm, I'm so excited because I'm like, yeah, it's cute now and helpful, but soon it's going to be your go-to app because of what it will be able to provide. And um, I also have seven Miss Curly uh, Queens um, and I have had the Miss Curly pageant for the past four years. So oh, awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. And it all is coming from my experience in education, seeing a gap. I saw that black girls' experiences were disregarded, the hypersexualization, the um, other students who impacted me and seeing their self-esteem being lacking. And the reality that the top 10 jobs that are going to make the most money in the next now to 10 years are in STEAM. So I'm like, man, we got to get our kids, uh, you know, focused <laughs> earlier on and connected to who they are. Because right now you see science as some old white guy with glasses and, you know, he's testing lab rats. But when you can show them that, you know, you are a scientist when you use the scientific method to make flaxseed hair gel, mm -hmm. that's what we're doing. So, you yeah. know, they, they learn about products, they learn about science, how to uh, use their um, knowledge in, of science and in the world around them. And so I could go on and on, but the, the pageant, the app, the curriculum really just helped me, you know, feel like I'm serving another need as well, since I'm not teaching directly <laughs> sure. that's it that's it but, so, that, but that's education i love it, it sure is and so can you tell our listeners out there how they can support your work <clears throat> look go ahead download this app because <laughs> get the um, app yeah, people get it it's on ios and <clears throat> um android it is free and um also just go ahead like curls on the block it's at, at curls, C-U-R-L-S-O-N-T-H-E-B-L-O-C-K, all, all social media handles. And, you know, stay tuned. I actually had um, some live conversation about the, the black tax and um, I just highlighted some a, a new invention. So was able to, you know, recognize black female innovators and inventors. So, you know, I'm keeping it fresh and making sure we know um, our history and our impact in society and in the world. You know, um, a black woman helped create the touchtone phones, like pieces of that, you know, 3D yes. glasses, um, the pad. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. Like, you know, we're it. And, you know, just became a VP, you know, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, we're doing there it. There it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what, all, right, all right. I got the app. I, I already got it. I just all got right. It, so. I'm going to turn my next. I'm going to turn my daughter onto it. I'm sure she, she'll be about it. She will be There's about like it. That's exciting. There's three, uh, there's some like uh, programs that there's some like activities already embedded. There's like three that are free. It's my, oh, I forgot. I have a book. It's called Harry's Yellow Jacket. You can buy that. You know, I got all the things. <laughs> there we go. 
That's awesome. Hey, well, they we... can't stop you. Can't stop no. you. No. Can't stop us. Can't hold us back. That's right. Hey, That's hey, right. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's um, it. I need yeah. some to rock. That's right. <laughs> Let's go. Well, we, you know what? We really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. We are so glad um, that you are just thriving in this space and the community um, as you found your place and you're continuing to do great things. And we just really love and honor your story. And we're just so thankful that you had a chance to chat with us tonight. Thank you. Yes. I was really grateful. And you see, I, you can hear I talk a lot. <laughs> oh, it's fine. We do too. That's why we have a podcast. That's it. That's it. All right. So this is Asia, Kevin, and Annalise. And we're signing off for our second episode of the Exit Interview. Talk to you all later. Bye. I like to dance with you. I like to dance with you. I like to dance with you.